0: And I just want to say, this is my wife on the keys, so just in case you were wondering. She's wearing a shirt, and I just want to make it clear that's my wife. So, um, we are talking about relationships. We're starting a new series on relationships. And, you know, the first thing that existed in the universe before that there were even light particles or planets or even dust the first thing there ever was was a relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They loved each other. They worked together in unity. And so you can really see the first thing that ever existed was a relationship. And mankind was created for for relationships. That's the reason that we exist. When God created mankind, man was in a relationship with himself. And then God said, you know what? Man needs to be in a relationship with people like himself. And uh, man, and God created woman, and there became relationships between mankind. And you might say, Alex, well, if we were created for relationships, then why are relationships so hard, right? If you're created for something, shouldn't it come easily? Shouldn't it be natural? If that's the reason that humanity exists is to be in relationship, shouldn't it come more naturally, more easily than it actually does? Um, Relationships are hard because of sin, And sin's a biblical word, right? We don't use that in everyday language. But what I mean by that is in all of us, is this destructive tendency to desire our own selfish ends instead of caring about other people. And because of that, because we have that and because other people have that, it makes relationships hard. And, you know, we don't need a lot of examples to know that relationships are hard, right? You can probably think of some. You can think about maybe your marriage and how that's hard, or a dating relationship and how that's hard. When I first moved up here to the area, I didn't know anybody, and I thought, how do I make friends in a new place? You know, if you lived in the same place for a long time, you just naturally make friends. And uh, it's hard to think about, how do I make friends in a new place? And I remember thinking, well, I'm a nerd, so I'm going to go down to the comic book shop because I know people down there. I can speak their language. I can make friends down there. So I remember going down to the comic book shop, and um, I sat down and was playing some card games and reading comic books. And I, I started talking to this one guy, and each week we would hang out together at the comic book shop. And, uh, you know, we started uh, talking about, we should hang out outside of here. And I had this real weird moment. I was like, how do you ask somebody for their phone number? Like when you're a a human guy, you know, and you're like wanting to make a platonic friendship, like when's that right point to ask somebody for a phone number? And it's like real awkward. When you were a kid, right, you would look across the lunchroom and you would see another kid with a Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles lunchbox. And you'd be like, we could be friends, you know, and it was easy, it was instant, but once you grow up, friendships are hard, relationships are hard, and I remember even as after college, I was dating, trying to find a spouse, and uh, man, if nothing else, this relationship study is going to allow you to hear the horrible dating stories that I think you have over the next few weeks, Uh, but I have some horrible ones, but one of the times I was dating this girl, and I mean, she was always like, running around with other guys and she was always like not showing up for stuff and i was like this person isn't very committed to this relationship right but i was really trying really hard to make it work and she called me up one time and uh, she says i'm breaking up with you and i was like man i really felt like i did everything right in this relationship and i expected her to say well it's not you it's me But instead she says, it's not me, it's you, Alex. And that's why I break it up. And I'm like, what? So we all know relationships are hard, right? We've all had experiences where relationships are hard, whether that's a family relationship, a workplace relationship, a neighbor relationship, a romantic relationship. Relationships are hard. And so that's what we're talking about in this study. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to a church he started in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was a messed up city. You might think that your city's messed up, or you might imagine a city somewhere in the world that's messed up. Ephesus was really messed up. There was a temple to Diana in the city of Ephesus where there were constant 24-7 sex orgies going on. And people could just walk off the street and be involved in that promiscuity. And so let me just say family relationships weren't real healthy as that's going on. People didn't have good romantic relationships while that's going on in the city. At the same time, the city was also famous for its trade in magical arts and sorcery. And so if people couldn't get what they want, they would just go buy spells and curses and they would try to uh, summon demons to get what they want and coerce things out of people. So you can imagine you didn't have a good relationship with your neighbor because they were probably buying a spell or a curse or you didn't have a good relationship with your coworkers or your boss because if they made you mad, they'd go down and buy a spell or a curse. And so the city was messed up. Uh, It was also a city that was very rich because they had a lot of silver, and they would sell these um, silver idols of Diana, their goddess, and they were very rich. So you have a very rich, wealthy culture where people have horrible relationships uh, among their community and among their family, and Paul starts a church there. And after he gets the church started, he goes off and starts another church in another place, and he writes this letter back to them because he's like – You really don't understand how relationships work. And so we're going to dig into this insight that Paul wrote to Ephesus, and I think it has a lot of insight into our life today. So in chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians, uh, Paul talks about our relationship with God. But we're really going to dig in over the next few weeks and look at chapters 4 through 6, where Paul talks about our relationships with other people. At the heart of every relationship Every relationship is really based on two things. What you say and what you do. And what you say and what you do, those things put together affect how people feel. So for instance, my wife Darby up here, if I tell her I love her, but then I don't do the dishes like I promised, right? The say is there, but the do isn't. It's going to affect the way she feels, right? But if I say I love her and then I also do the dishes like I said, it's going to make her feel loved. Now, that might be very simplistic, but really all of our relationships pretty much work on this principle. What you say and what you do affect what the other person feels. To improve any relationship, just change what you say and what you do. It'll change what the other person feels, and it improves the relationship. And we're going to look here as Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25. It would help if I was actually in the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25, and it says this, Put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. So that it gives grace to those who hear it and don't grieve god's holy spirit you were sealed by him for the day of redemption let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving one another just as god also forgave you in christ jesus And so what Paul does in this section is he bounces back and forth and he tells us some things about how we should talk to people. And then he also uh, says some things about how we should treat people. And if you look back at verse 25, he starts out with uh, how we should talk to people. He's put away all lying and speak the truth to your neighbor. He says, number one, the big killer for any relationship, if you want to damage any relationship, tell a lie lies always damage relationship, and you might think well it didn't get damaged right away right they didn't find out about it but even if they never find out that you lied it begins to gnaw on you and affect the way that you talk to them and you treat them and he says we should tell the truth be honest if you want to improve any relationship one of the first things you need to do is just be honest with people And it's interesting what he says here at the end of verse 25, why we should be honest with each other. He says we're members of one another. Essentially what Paul is saying is we have a lot more uh, in common than we do that separates us. If you look at any conflict between any group in the world, it's usually them saying, well, we're this way and you're that way, and we're in opposition to each other. What Paul is saying is we have a lot more in common. Everybody basically wants two things out of life. They want to be loved and they want to be respected. Everybody wants those things. And what Paul is saying is, ultimately, we all want the same things. Deep down at the core level, we all have the same basic needs. And so be honest with each other. And then in verses 26 and 27, he talks about the way we should treat people. He says, you can get angry, but do not sin. Getting angry is a natural, automatic response. You can't always control that. What you can uh, control is how long you stay angry. You can control how long you stay angry. And he says here, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. He says, never stay angry for the whole day. And he gives us a reason here why we shouldn't do this. He says, if you get angry in verse 27, it creates an opportunity for the devil. Now, whether you imagine the devil is a real person like the Bible talks about, or whether you say, Alex, I just can't wrap my head around that, that's a crazy concept. Either way, what Paul is saying is when you get angry, it creates opportunities for more evil in your relationship and in your community and in your world. And so whenever you get angry, what you're doing is you're opening up uh, an opening in the armor of your relationship for more damage to be done. And so he says as soon as you can stop being angry, do it because that closes off that opportunity for your relationship to crumble And then in verse 28, he gives us another example of something we should do or how we should treat people. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. How many of you, if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, I'm a thief. Do you want to be my friend? How many would be like, yeah! I'd love to have a thief as a friend. You know, somebody comes up and's like, I steal people's identities. Do you want to be my friend? No, you know. So obviously what Paul is saying is there comes a point where in a relationship, you have to improve yourself to improve the relationship. I had a friend in Tennessee, and he would introduce himself to anyone new he meant like this. I saw him do it dozens of times. He would say, hi. He'd say his name, and he says, I'm a narcissistic alcoholic. It's nice to meet you. And I'm like, I'm all for being transparent, but you know, why are you introducing yourself this way? And what I found after a while was this was kind of like his excuse. He was like, I'm going to stay this way and I just want you to know up front, off the bat, this is how I'm going to stay. And so finally I confronted him and I said, did you ever think about changing and not being a narcissistic alcoholic? You know, like I'm glad you're being transparent, but how about you become a better person? And I think sometimes in our relationships, we think the other person needs to become a better person. I don't. The problem's on somebody else. And we have a tendency to think that we're a lot better at relationships than we actually are. We have a role to play in any relationship. We're part of the problem, and we can be part of the solution. And part of that is choosing to become something better. I'll tell you right now, if you want friends, if you want good relationships, be a generous person. People like to be around generous people. They like to be around people who are kind and generous and giving, who aren't... um, aren't thieves aren't always taking but they want to give back so become the person that you need to be to build a better relationship as well and then he switches back to talk about how we talk in verse 29 how we talk to people he says no foul language should come out of your mouth but only what is good for building up someone in need now when we hear the word foul language we're like Paul's talking about using profanity, right? Well, they didn't have profanity in the same way here in the first century like we think about it today. What he's talking about is the way we talk to and about people. You say, Alex, how do you know that's the case? Because the second half of the verse, he contrasts it. He says, we should only say what is good for building up people in need. So he's not talking about using profanity here. He's talking about us trash talking somebody else, talking down to someone else, criticizing someone else, or talking bad about someone else behind their back. He says, this is the way you should talk to people. Only say things that are good that build up people in need. And he's not talking about a physical need here. He's talking about emotional need. Everybody you encounter has an emotional need. They have a desire to be affirmed. Your words could change the trajectory of a life. And what Paul is saying is when we tear down, when we criticize, when we complain about people, when we talk bad about people, he says that's not helping people grow and be built up and become who they need to be. It's actually tearing them down. It's holding them back. And he says here that we should, when we um, talk good about people, when we build people up with our words, he says it gives grace to those who hear it. Grace is a Bible word, but essentially it means getting good when you don't deserve it. And so what Paul is describing is saying good things to people, building people up because you see potential in them or not because they necessarily deserve to have those good words. He says in verse 30 that if we talk bad about people, it grieves God's Holy Spirit. It grieves God's Holy Spirit. We don't use that word grieve in our everyday language very often. You know, I'm not like when uh, we were watching... The Super Bowl and the internet connection we were streaming it and um, all of a sudden it's like buffering and it's like right in the middle of a play and you're like what happened and I'm like I'm grieved at the internet right now you know like you don't use that in everyday language but being grieved means your heart is breaking like if you've had a romance and it fell apart if you lost a loved one that's when your heart is grieving it's deeply troubled and it says that's what happens to God's heart The Holy Spirit's heart when we talk poorly about people, when we treat people poorly. And so in verse 31, he jumps back again and he talks about uh, a way that we should treat people. So he's been talking about how we talk about people, how we treat people, how we talk about people, how we treat people. In verse 31, he says, let all bitterness and anger and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. He says, don't even have these things in your life. And, you know, there's a progression here between bitterness and anger and wrath, and then it moves to shouting and slander. So what starts as a thought grows into words, and what starts as words then grows into actions. You see that progression that happens? It starts with bitterness. That's a thought. And then you get anger and wrath, and then it leads to shouting and slander. That's talking bad about people being loud, having to say something. That moves to what we're saying. He says this needs to be moved, removed from you, along with all malice. Malice is when you start doing things just to get back at people, just to hurt them, just to somehow poke at them. And he says in verse 32, instead what we should do is be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you in Christ Jesus. The foundation to any healthy relationship is forgiving people who don't deserve to be forgiven. Because in any relationship you're in, there's going to be people that hurt you and people who respond badly. And it gives you an opportunity to respond like Jesus. If you want to make any relationship in your life better, simply do this. Talk to people like Jesus. Talk to people. Love people like Jesus loved people. And act towards people like Jesus acted towards them. Any relationship will improve if you treat people like Jesus treated you. And that's the whole message of the gospel, right? The central message of the Bible is that Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn people, but to die in our place. Not because we deserved it, it, but because he freely offered it to everyone who believed. And so the best way to act in a relationship is to act the same way that Jesus does towards us when he freely forgives us for what we've done wrong. Not because we've deserved it, but because he chooses to love us. And so, as we come to the end, I want you to think about your relationships. Maybe think about just one or two relationships, maybe a family relationship, maybe a relationship with a neighbor in the community, maybe a relationship in the workplace, maybe a a romantic relationship, and think, how can I change the way I talk to people and the way I treat people in this relationship this week? How might that improve the relationship if I change just those two things? And maybe just think about some practical ways you can do that in your relationship This week, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you care about every aspect of our life, but at the very foundation of everything else is a relationship, a relationship with you and a relationship with others. Lord, I pray that you will make us a people who love people like you love them, who talk to people like you talk to us, who treat people with kindness and with undeserved uh, respect. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to think about the relationships that we're in this week and think about how we talk to people, how we treat people, and how we can improve that relationship, how we can change how people feel in their relationship by changing the way we talk to them and the way we treat them. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.